This is the Crazy Beautiful Life Podcast. I'm Bethany, but most people call me B, and I'm your host. From health and wellness, money moves, environmentalism, lifestyle design, and more, this podcast helps inspire you to live your most crazy beautiful life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Crazy Beautiful Life podcast. Happy Monday morning. Today is a very special day, not just because it snowed on my entire walk in, but because today we are joined by one hell of a person, my dear friend Ingrid. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, B. I'm so excited. Cool, cool. I'm glad you're excited because I'm super excited, too. Um... We have a really thought-provoking episode yeah. about to happen. There's a lot to talk about. We have so much to talk about. I am excited. We're going to get you inspired. We're going to get the thought processes going. We're going to get you motivated. Whatever it is you need, Ingrid and I have no filter. And we're going to spill all the tea, all the beans. <laughs> all the chickpeas. All the chickpeas. <laughs> and try beans. not to cry. <laughs> Maybe, Yeah. Try not to cry is definitely a big part of it. Like, I don't want to cry in my place of work. Been there. I've done that. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Do you ever get the feeling that we were, like, literally just meant to cross paths? Yeah. I feel that all the time. If not, through, like, Patagonia, through surfing, or surfing, sailing, good lord. <laughs> through some sports. I feel like I've talked to so many people, and they're like, oh, I've been here, I've done this. And I'm like, I feel like we've crossed paths already. We just didn't know it. Yeah. I, I used to live off of UFP campus and I, I swear to God I was thinking about this the other day I, was, I used to go at night and watch like different games like rugby and stuff and I was like I definitely saw you play at one point and it just like didn't register until the other night and I was like that's so nice we also lived in the same building oh yeah you did yeah and what I, year? Uh, in first year yeah I wasn't there in for my first year was yeah my second year. so when I moved out you were moving, moving in. in that's so funny it's like we've like crossed so many times and just totally missed each other that's hilarious so before we get chit-chatting too much I think it's only appropriate that we tell our listeners a little bit about who you are so Ingrid do you mind introducing yourself and letting our listeners know a little bit about the badass powerful creative individual that you are well as Bethany said my name's Ingrid and I'm 23 years old I have a sister and I have a beautiful niece I have a beautiful family family's really important to me I feel like that's really something everyone should know about me um right at the moment I spend most of my time either outside or pursuing one of my creative endeavors that could be I'm getting into lino cutting right now I was gonna get into wood carving that slowly died hopefully I'll pick that back up but most of my time is spent like writing planning on filming when COVID permits because I feel like that's all of us right now it's just like when is COVID gonna let me do this yeah totally. <laughs> like our parents like when are you gonna let me do this um I graduated from sports media at Ryerson University almost two years ago so coming up this June which is kind of insane to think that it feels it almost feels like a lifetime ago because of the person I am now and looking back at the person that I was is two very different people and I think a lot of that has to do with the people I've met specifically at Patagonia so thank you Patagonia. <laughs> thanks Patagonia thanks Daddy YC we love you <laughs> um I grew up playing sports all the time when I I used to live in Toronto and I moved up after the age of 10 but when I was here I was doing badminton I was sailing I was skiing and then I moved to Collingwood which was like the best place in the world to pursue any and all 
outdoor activities. So I was I was climbing, I was swimming, I was trail running, and then I was doing like eight sports a year in high school. So I was always doing something active because that was. I guess that was the only way for me to feel comfortable in like a social setting was actively doing something and being in an environment where other people had similar interests. Because mm-hmm. I, I was talking to my roommate, she was like, you are not social at all in first year. She's like, I thought you had a lot of friends, but you seem like not into anyone. I was like, no, I'm just socially in that place. So don't mind me. But um, I would definitely describe myself as like a kind, ambitious and driven person and I'm much more confident now and I'm proud to say that because that's something I've worked really hard on um but I I'm really excited to talk about today's topic because it's something that I do on a daily basis and I think everyone will be able to relate to this whether it's externally personally emotionally physically psychologically all of those things so I'm super stoked to talk about that and uh, yeah that's a little bit about me (laughs) I feel like that's such a good like short synopsis of like who you are especially (laughs) the part about being kind you are so kind like so kind wise beyond your years I feel like you have a really old soul yeah one of our co-workers Wendy always tells me that (laughs) because I was was having a bad day because sometimes grief strikes me in a really tough way and it depends on the day and I just I always go to her to cry (laughs) and she was like you have an old soul and Wendy always says that name dropping Wendy yeah five minutes in name drop that is so sweet yeah she's right you do have a really old soul um one of the questions that I ask all my listeners not all my listeners all my guests is what is it about your life that makes it crazy and beautiful well speaking of listeners you should probably be asking yourself this question because you'll probably find a lot more to appreciate in your life Mm -hmm. but I think what makes my life so crazy and beautiful is even though I wouldn't say I have a lot of friends in my life but the people that I do meet and have that have been in my life are some of the I think some of the rarest people I think everyone thinks that to a certain degree but I think the people that I know are special and are totally different and unique and that's purely based off of authenticity Mm -hmm. like I find a lot of like my friend group People are intimidated by them because of how authentic and they can, like, smell bullshit. So I really appreciate that I've been able to cross paths with so many people who have been so authentic and which makes me only want to live my true self even more. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for people kind of, like, being a domino effect for me in the way I change myself and the way I look at myself and the way I want to present myself. So thanks to shout out to everyone out there who has ever inspired me in that way and the way that they're so authentically them and they have been since day one like the way you've been since you were like two or three is the way you are now you're just a little smarter yeah (laughs) and a little less less immature (laughs) I feel like that's really true though like from your friends that I've met like I'm sitting here like thinking and I'm like holy shit you're so right Mm -hmm. like the friends of yours that like I've met are like chit-chatted with or like seen you interact with like they are all like so unapologetically themselves Mm -hmm. and I think that is so cool and I guess that would make your life crazy and beautiful Mm because then you when someone's their real self you just establish such a different connection with them yeah and every person there's this um, running group called Project Love Run and they're amazing and they're talking about friendships and the way this woman wrote about friendships is the way I've always thought about it but never been able to put into words so I always find it amazing when someone able to like write down my thoughts but they're like I go to each different friend for something unique like that Mm -hmm. person helps me the most with this and like it's 
and not necessarily like your partner has to fulfill everything but you go to them for something specific probably intimacy or something like that but yeah each friend can kind of be certain touch points in your life on different things so I I totally feel you and I, I love all my friends because they are all there for me in so many different ways so mm-hmm. that is really cool I also love that you grew up like playing sports but it wasn't like typical house league soccer or like oh, no. hometown hockey it was like <laughs> sports in nature influenced by nature Mm -hmm. and I think that that ties like a lot into the type of person you are because to me you're just different like you're unique and you have this certain level of like connection about you and I wonder if that's because of like doing sports in nature where you're you're connected you are like totally like alone a lot (laughs) you're alone but you're also like exposed and Mm -hmm. like you know like when you're sailing like you can't sail without wind you can't ski snowboard without without the snow like without nature so I don't know I feel like the sports that you grew up playing just add like this level of like connectedness and presence about you I think it's really cool yeah I'm super I'm super privileged because I grew up (laughs) in Toronto and I went to like the Boulevard Club which is a fancy private club and I was able to do and pursue all of those things that most people wouldn't be able to without like a good amount of money so I'm super privileged that my parents allowed me and gave me space to do that but never pushed me like they never didn't want me to do something I wasn't comfortable with but they wanted me to pursue it and push me a little bit but not to the degree that was like okay I hate this and (laughs) you're just making me do this because you want to see me do it so I'm super grateful for them that's awesome um so I guess we should tell people how we met we met at work I still remember the first time that I saw you this is our (laughs) this is our love story yeah I remember what you were wearing I remember the words that you said like I literally remember the first time I met you and I'm like the shitty guy who doesn't remember anything because I was like so like I want to get this job so bad yeah me too so yeah we met at work um at our job it always starts with a group interview which there was a lot of people there yes there was a lot of people (laughs) thinking back on it and I was in a group with a few people who got hired which was nice because those were the people who were like talking and who I could like have a conversation with Mm -hmm. oh that was two years and two months ago I think I was looking at my (laughs) how long I've been working here for resume stuff and I was like wow I've been here a lot longer than I thought I have it always feels like a lot longer yeah that's hilarious can I tell you something I've never told you before good lord okay (laughs) so no one from my group at the group interview Mm. got hired Mm. um but I remember like sitting at the end and Corey was like having all of us like introduce ourselves to everyone oh yes and I remember sitting there and I remember listening to you talk and like I'm a really competitive person I nail interviews I love interviews interview the (laughs) shit out of me I will come alive yeah and I remember sitting there while you were introducing yourself and you were wearing your like cream diamond quilted sweater and your like blue Levi's and your hair at the time was like a little bob yeah and you were talking about the documentary you were working on and I remember just sitting there and looking at you and being like that girl's my competition (laughs) like if I don't get hired it is because of her (laughs) and I still remember like that thought process so much just sitting there being like she's my competition (laughs) if she if I don't get hired she did (laughs) I think I remember having that feeling watching other people but I think that's always what it's like you're always gonna be like who 
who stands out to you in your mind because if they're standing out to you they're probably standing out to the people who are interviewing you so I was like also watching but I don't remember anything that was a blur my one-on-one interview which is where we were sitting actually is much more clear in my mind but the group interview is a blur except for Matt because he was in my group and (laughs) he can talk about anything and everything get that put that man on the phone with a non-profit and he'll be there yeah I could listen to Matt talk talk for hours yeah I, I don't know where he stores all these things in his brain, but it's just so cool. It's and like, he makes up a good chunk of it. So. Yeah. The making up part is my favorite. favorite. Um, so we're both 97 babies. Yeah. We both got hired at Patagonia during our fourth year of university. Yeah. So fourth year was your last year. Fourth year was my second last year. I studied kinesiology and you were studying sport media. Mm. And I think what's really interesting and really cool is that Although our degrees are very different, they're also, like, tied into each other. So, like, your degree was very, like, outward-facing, customer-facing, mm-hmm. like, in, in the media and the attention. And then mine is on the other side of sports is, like, healing the athletes, training the athletes, getting the athletes, like, on the field or on the court or whatever. Very and symbiotic relationship. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. I was thinking about this last night when I was making notes, and I was like, this is literally so cool that, like, I've never, like, thought about, like, us in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was, like, the university experience for you? How was Sport Media? Oh, good Lord. How, how honest can I be? Um, school's not for me. Like, I definitely did not peak in high school, in middle school, in preschool. In university, school is not for me. Um, I think just because of, especially being in Sport Media, the competitive nature, like, just the competitive nature across the board with men and women is pretty intense I remember only 50 people get in out of like I think I was the second year to graduate from my program Whoa. so like eight to 800 to a thousand people apply and I was one of like the 50 to 60 people who got in so it's highly competitive and everyone focused on the big five so you got baseball basketball hockey soccer football and that was really not my thing so I oh I I differentiated myself in the beginning which I think was tough because I couldn't connect with anyone on those levels because when people would do like when we're doing our on-air class and people had to like do play-by-play they would be doing play-by-play to hockey and I'd be doing it to ski cross and it was just a whole other world and I still it sucks because I didn't walk out with a single friend from that program Mm -hmm. which sucks and looking I've been thinking about it a lot I was like there are definitely people I wish I had connected with because at the end I told them and I was like I really wish I got to know you more and like I I really regret that, but mm-hmm. again, that's okay. They're cool people. They're li- I still f- they're the only ones I follow now on Instagram. But everyone else just left a really bad taste in my mouth. Like I'm like I'm in university and I'm still getting made fun of for the things that I wear because I'm so fabulous. Like what is going? On? <laughs> like I don't care. I dressed business casual in second year and it was amazing. And then I stopped because <laughs> I'm like, why am I trying to impress these people? But nonetheless, the program gave me a lot of confidence. I spent most of my time behind my camera. That's where my strengths are. But I'm only in front of the camera when something needs to be said. I'm like, if something needs to be shown, if something needs to be said, if something is being, like, swept under the rug, I will put myself on camera just because I have to make my... I have to put myself in uncomfortable positions. I always hate being on camera because the camera's on you, all eyes are on you, and when I talk, I close my eyes when I get nervous. So, (laughs) I actually noticed that about you. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've heard that a few times, especially in group interviews. I used to be very intimidated by men and other people in general, so they would like 
I would always get that in interviews. They're like, can you try talking to me without closing your eyes? And I'm like, yeah, I can. Why does it matter? I don't know. I, I think know. it's just something that's, like, unique about you. And, like, I love it because I, I know, like, when you close your eyes, you're, like, really, like, <laughs> you're really, like, thinking about, like. I'm channeling it. Yeah, you're, like, channeling and, like, vision, like, it's, like, visionary and, like, seeing the words. Like, yeah. I, I love when you do that because I'm, like, mm. Where's she going? <laughs> it's getting deep. Here we go. I love when you do that. I think that's that's a really cool thing about you yeah I used to have a list so it makes me so I can actually I feel like I can visually see the words you know how some people apparently like can't see yeah when they close their eyes which is terrifying because I can see everything when I close my eyes I can see everything when I close my eyes yeah. too I'm doing it right now so closing my eyes helps me kind of form a sentence without like going back to having a list so <laughs> <laughs> I try really hard to keep that under wraps so that's one of my tricks um, there were people that I went to university with too, who I wasn't friends with during undergrad. Yeah. And like, we just ran in different circles. There was never really a reason. It was just like, I didn't live in residence. I couldn't afford it. Um, so I didn't have that like residence friend group. Yeah. I had like friends on the rugby team and I had friends in my program and I felt a lot like a floater, like yeah. between like different groups I've of people. I definitely have a good solid group of friends from school and I love them and they're probably listening and I love them with my whole heart mm -hmm. but there's also people that I didn't talk to like much or at all throughout uni and now we talk because I was mm -hmm. just like I'm gonna start DMing you and like I don't care if we weren't close during uni like you're a cool person um like when it's like safe like let's go for a run or like let's like hang out and like talk about this or like let's go for coffee or whatever like I feel like it's never too late to I don't want to say capitalize but like connect with those really cool people yeah i need to do that yeah there's this one guy who's moving back out east to nova scotia new brunswick and i was like oh i'm so sad because you're so cool yeah but i have to go visit some friends out there anyway so i'll make a pit stop and see <laughs> if i can see him i also feel the competitiveness in school and i We're feel kin man like <laughs> but even like in both of our programs like I feel like people think that someone else's success takes away from theirs. Mm -hmm. But it's like there's a piece of the pie for everyone. And I think we all struggle with that on some level, for sure. I mean, everyone in my program just wanted to be on camera just because they wanted to be, a, I don't know, a celebrity. I don't know what yeah. that fascination is, but I guess something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean by, like, there's this, throughout uni, there's this mentality that, like, you have to make it seem like you're doing better mm -hmm. than everyone else. And then when someone else makes you question that, then they get pushed down. Yeah. And, like, they... They push themselves down, really. Yeah. They're just projecting. Yeah, totally. Um, what was it like being a woman in a, like, mm -hmm. sports program? <laughs> It's, um, yeah, they're, woo, what's it like being a woman? Damn. I mean, it's like the quintessential not taken seriously. Looked at differently. Looked as, like, a sexual object. I think there's so many of those videos where you see, like, female reporters get, reading their tweets and, like, their DMs, and it's, it's just disgusting, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm this white woman so I have a little bit more privilege but there are other people in my program who 
were not straight and who were a person of color and it was even it was extreme it was much more difficult for them and you could tell and they just there was no space given to them looking back on it i was like i didn't make enough space as much as i tried and other people didn't make enough space it was just like it kind of reminds me of like an all lives matter thing where it's just like everyone's the same here like we all got into this program it was a fair fight so you have to like fight again to yeah. tell your story and not make space for other stories and that's why i enjoy writing and doing the things i do because i want to be behind the camera and i know so many rad people and i'd rather put i like i don't want to take selfies and put them on my own instagram like i would rather put someone else's face yeah and promote and promote showcase them because to me that's more valuable yeah than my story because my story's been told before but not every story but a lot of them have so i try to take a step back in a way but not put myself down but also be a part of their story by sharing it so hopefully i do somewhat of a good job but being a woman is tough but yeah we get through it i feel that my my program is very much like that as well is a lot of cisgender straight lot mainly white able-bodied people and it was a lot of like sports like it's like okay but like like this is kinesiology like yes sports is like a component of it but Mm -hmm. like kinesiology is so much more than that it's like the sociology of sport it's like we talked a lot about like gender inequalities in sport and media coverage and how like women's sports are like never covered in the media the same way that men's sports are um and I felt that in my program too it was like it wasn't Oh, what was that video that, that we watched? It's like, it's not about being invited to the party. It's about being asked to dance. Yes, right. You and I think that's so time. important when we look at these programs that are very much driven towards white. Catered. Catered, yeah, yeah. Literally catered Made. towards us and me and you and, like, other, like, able-bodied white cisgendered people is, like, sure, we're inviting other people to the party, but are we asking them to dance? Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing that, like, our institutions can look at, but also, like, us in our skin. Like, what could have, what, what could I have done during university to make sure that other people were asked mm-hmm. to dance? And institutions, they don't move as quickly as we can, because we can change that in an instant. People are like, oh, it takes time to change. I'm like, no, you can, if you want to start doing this, do it now. Yeah. Like, I would go to bed, and I would wake up, and I'm like, I'm a new person. So, if you feel like, th- if you're upset at the institution... You should be, but you, if everyone did that on a daily basis, it would change the world in the, in, in that day. Totally. Like, immediately. In, in my program, we have to do this thing called ODP. I've talked about it before, mm-hmm. where we, like, go camping, and everyone's in cabins. It's literally, like, kids' summer camp for your entire university Is class. Is somewhere you went, like, running into the water, like, the freezing cold water in the ice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you do three of them. Ugh. So you do one in first year, which is, like, summer camp, mm-hmm. one in second year, same summer camp, and then in third or fourth year, most people do it in fourth year, you get to choose, like, white water rafting, canoe tripping, or winter camping, so I did winter camping. But um, I thought it was really cool in, like, first and second year at ODP because there were so many students who had never been to summer camp before. Yeah. Like we were like rock climbing, canoeing and kayaking. We we're doing skits on stage at nighttime. Like I it was literally that. summer camp. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. I love it so much. But there were so many people there who had never been in that setting. So your attendance was mandatory at a lot of events, yeah. but it was not mandatory at all of them. And I think especially when it comes to like outdoor industry and camping and things like that, it's like 
people like me are like, oh my God, this is my element. Like, I love being here. Like, let's get in the canoe. Let's do the polar plunge at 6 a.m. But everyone let's else go. is like in the cabin. It's like, I don't want to get up. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very hard to, sure, they were invited to the party. They're there at that camp. But could like the other students have done more to be like, hey, it's okay that you've never done this before. Let's do it together. Instead yeah. of being like, oh my God, like I've been mountain biking like so many times. I've been doing it since I was a kid. It's not that bad. It's like, hey, like I've been mountain biking before. And like, if, if that means that I have to like stay behind with you, then like, that's cool. But like, oh, yeah. come on, you got to come to the mountain biking event. Yeah. And I definitely think there were students like that, but I, it's something I think I about actively both. now. Yeah. Um, in your university experience, um, I want to talk about your documentary because I think your documentary was really cool. And I think you were really breaking the status quo of like what people were doing in your program and like mm-hmm. what the focus was. So are you cool like talking about your documentary a little bit? Yeah, I haven't talked about it in so long. But yeah, in fourth year you have to do basically like your practicum. So I guess like a thesis for for other programs. But our practicum is basically so in like a, in the span of a month you you script it, you write, like, you do all the writing, you do all of the background work, you're fundraising, you're doing all that, and then for the next two months, oh my god, I literally would sometimes do 20, like, 23, 24-hour days, because we had to drive to Sarnia, was it Sarnia or Windsor, we had to, but we were driving all over the place, and we were doing this doc on Jessica Platt, and she is the first transgender female in the CWHL, and she's amazing, she has a pug, and I love Peach the pug. Shout out. <laughs> Peachy Peach, I miss you. Um, <laughs> and doing, and being able to share her story was so special to me because I remember everyone pitches at the beginning of the year. Everyone was pitching like hockey and blah, blah, blah. Like there are some like out there ones because everyone's trying to differ- differentiate themselves to make themselves unique and to yeah. see that they really like are creative and all that jazz. But when my production teammates Sean and CC they pitched it and I was like that's it like that's that's the one to look at for sure and I was like I have to be on this so I was their technical director which means I was doing all the lighting all the audio and all the camera work and I was doing that and I housed all of it in my little room in Tartu oh I had my like God. I had like a Sony AS7 I had two lighting kits I had all of this audio equipment I had all of these stands it was it was crazy Oh I had my it for God. like two weeks and I would have to lug it up and down, up yeah. and down. And it was, it was something, it definitely took a part of my soul. I'll never get back doing my documentary because there were some really long nights, but the documentary came also at an interesting time because in fourth year I was going through a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it was a good distraction, probably not the best one, but in the end being able to see, I think the most special moment was filming her father and her mother because yeah. normally moms can be a little bit more accepting. Yeah when their child gets like gender confirmation surgery um so it was he didn't he was trying really hard not to cry but like I'm bawling behind the camera um but it was really special to see her story because there's so many like that not so much in Canada like our population but compared to like the United States there's so many people who are going through that and so many trans trans athletes who aren't taken seriously who get put down because they have some sort of advantage and I'm like you have no idea what it means to be on these hormones at all yeah you have no idea what the science is you're just doing it because 
because it makes you feel some it doesn't make you feel better it's just like the thought of putting someone else down makes you feel better like that instant gratification but quickly goes away and then you just realize you're a piece of shit so yeah yeah Jess is really cool I still keep in contact with her and sometimes and sometimes the doc I always check to see if there's like comments because like I will troll those comments and I will like (laughs) I have no time yeah for transphobia no no hell to the no there's no space for that no, and I will not make space for it. And I remember Sportsnet interviewed her recently, and I was just, like, hovering in the comments, <laughs> like, waiting. And I'm like, I swear to God, if anyone comes out here. And I was just... And there were a lot of them, and I'm I'm glad I was there because I, I just felt like I needed to do that. Yeah. And most of them wouldn't respond, so, I mean, it's just, like, this, like... We are talking about it last night. Like, people have, like, this courage behind the keyboard because they're not face-to-face. Yeah. If you come face-to-face with me, I bet you won't say that. Yeah, totally. So... It's really weird. People get this, like, keyboard courage, and it's just, like, they forget that, like, the people on the receiving end of that are humans. Yeah. And they are people with feelings and emotions, and I don't know. It's just such a weird thing, like, this, like, online space, bullying, transphobia, homophobia, like, everything. It's just, like, you would never say these things to someone's face, so why are you typing them out? Yeah, I don't know. And I think it really speaks true to what we're going to be talking about today is just, like, sometimes it's uncomfortable to stand up and say what's right because you're the only one saying it. You're the only different opinion in the room, but it's what needs to be said. Yeah. So I think that that mindset changed a lot for me because I was like, no one else is saying this. And you know what? I'm not really la- liked anyways in my, specifically in my program, so I might as well just do it, you yeah. know? I might as well just put myself in those uncomfortable situations and just kind of, like, just revel in it and just be like, this, this is me, and I know everyone else dislikes it, but you know what? I may have disliked it before, but now I like it, and now I'm going to, like, show you what I'm all about. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, if you want to be liked, don't be a leader. Yeah. And I've totally felt that way before, like... I have a huge personality. You have a big personality too. And for so long, I was so concerned about being liked. Yeah. And I wanted everybody to like me. And because I wanted to be liked, I wouldn't speak up against against or about certain things or certain situations because I didn't want people to think, oh my God, she's so annoying. Like, oh my God, here she goes again. Like, mm-hmm. what is this chick talking about? Like, I just wanted people to like me. And like now I honestly don't give a fuck if people like me or not. Like... <laughs> If, if you want to be liked, then don't be a leader. And I'm sure, I don't know if it felt this way to you, but, like, I think by you in your program doing the things that you're doing, talking about different sports, talking about trans athletes and things like that, like, you are a leader. Like, mm-hmm. you've always been a leader. Like, when when we first started working here, we were hired at the same time, but I thought you were a leader. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go ask Ingrid about things. Like, Just because it's not in the do- job description doesn't mean that, like, it's not your responsibility to take it upon yourself. And I especially felt that being in sports, in audio, oh my god, because I chose audio because no one else is doing it because I, again, I'm also competitive and trying to differentiate myself. And Totally. I, I, I love music. I love audio. I think it's a really interesting, creative, but also very hard Thing behind the scenes to be a producer of music and live audio at sport at sporting events so I was um, doing I was just an audio assistant so kind of like the, the bottom of the rung um, at the World Cup ski cross because it was hosted a few times at Blue Mountain cool and my mom was able to connect me with the people who were whose production company was kind of looking over it and overseeing it so I was just a little audio assistant and I was the only woman and I was like it was in 2017 and 2019 I did so what? 20, 
That's so recent. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I, I would always go away for, like, three days, but that's what I was doing. Oh, my God. Um, 2017, how old was I? I was about, like, 19. 19. I was 19 at the time, and then, like, 21. So I was, like, the youngest person by, like, 10 years, for sure. Yeah. Because, and, like, the only female. And no people of color whatsoever. So not only did I have to, it was so uncomfortable. I remember I was just, like just quiet and didn't want to put myself out there but then I was like oh this is like this is a chance to like prove myself like I had to yeah because they like the guys didn't take me serious or they would just look at you like the way they would just look at you it makes my skin crawl yeah it makes me feel slimy Um, but some of them are really amazing like I'm not just gonna bash men to bash men but some of them were really really thoughtful and kind of like guided me and they knew it was my first or like it's not like the thing I'm most experienced in but when they saw me like on the hill for three days in negative 20 to negative 30 laying down 30 taller than Mount Everest like amount of like cords like yeah when I was just laying down like audio cables all that kind of thing and like pulling them off the mountain and like interacting with like the camera guys and like it's actually so much fun when you think about it because they don't a lot of them don't take it too seriously. They're, they're just there to do a job, and you kind of have to get out of your internal headspace of, like, oh, they just see me as this woman. But a lot of them at the end were like, wow, you did, like, a really good job. And, like, you stayed out. Like, you did overtime. Like, you were out on the mountain just, like, pulling cable, which is the worst because it's, like, the way it's done is, like, it's dug underneath the snow. Like, oh, my God. Like, feet under the snow because, like, the groomers can't dig it up. So it's, like, all laid out, and it's, like, thick heavy cable like 50 to 100 pound cables and that's lifting them and moving them so a lot of it was physical and a lot of it so and I was the and I knew the mountain really well I think which helped so if yeah. people asked me questions I could kind of direct them so having being it in my having it in my backyard was a, an advantage for me that helped me prove it along the way and they I guess I've stayed in touch with a few of them and they've always been really generous but yeah audio and being like the youngest by 10 years it's kind of crazy to think now that I like seven 18 year old me was like running around like yeah. just like I don't know what I'm doing but I'm just gonna make it up and figure it out as I go yeah and that's kind of fun too I love that <laughs> one of my favorite things um and I'm just like realizing this now is one of my favorite things is when people underestimate me yeah I freaking love it it's like you're gonna underestimate mm-hmm. underestimate me watch me fucking go <laughs> and I get that vibe from you as well it's like you're you have this amazing capacity to prove yourself Mm-hmm. And it's really cool, and it's really admirable because you're you you walk into a room and you're like, if I'm not the hardest worker in the room, I'm going to be the hardest worker yeah. in the room. If I'm not like the most no, I don't want to say most educated, but like if I walk into a room and I'm feeling really small, I'm gonna make sure that I feel really big, yeah. and I'm gonna make sure people know that I'm feeling big. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super admirable admirable about you. I remember that from day one since I met you because you stood out and I was like, damn. Um, but if you were talking to someone who is young and who's going into a program, maybe your younger self, someone who wants to pursue sports and media and like sports journalism or anything like that, and they're a woman or someone who identifies, what would you tell them? Hmm. I don't know if university is the right path anymore just because... I see so many people doing what I do without going to university. I think university is just a cool experience because you're getting away from your family, from your old friends. Like, I think it's good to kind of remove yourself because you're putting yourself 
in, a, in this uncomfortable state. Like, I hadn't been living in the city since I was 10 years old. So now I've gone back to Toronto. Yeah. In the down, like, Ryerson was right by Young and Dundas when I was in residence the first year. It put me in such, like, a state of shock, like, going out, using fake IDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom and Dad, but you know I was doing that. But, I mean, it's good to go through those things and kind of learn the, the lessons of life. But there, there are a lot of cool programs. I know NYU has a really cool program that I was looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryerson's program is really great. I wish I did... So, Sport Media has some sister programs, which is Media Production, which is a really great program, but that's like 300 people, and New Media is a really unique program. You have to have a profile to go in. Cool. Like, that's what my roommate did. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my roommate, Nat, was in uh, New Media, which is kind of working on anything that's not traditional media. Cool. It could be sculpture, it could be 3D printing, it could be anything along those, it could be such a vast number of things. It could just be like... It coding all that kind of jazz. Yeah. So I wish I had done something more of that because I feel like that's more. I never want to do. I, ne- I don't want traditional sports to stay the way they are because yeah. every interview with the ho- with that same hockey player is going to be the same. Like it's yeah. not any different. So I feel like like a program like New Media at Ryerson would be so cool because you'd be able to you'd be able to just I don't know what the right word is. You'd be able to put sports and a narrative in a, and in a way that's never been seen or done before. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And then you'll also be able to meet really cool people who will help you do really cool things. Because everyone in my program, we're all doing the same thing, so there's nothing to add. It was just like a melting pot of the same shit. Yeah. And I'm like, where's, where is that like drive or ambition to just tell the untold story? Because everyone just says, I'm here to like, what are you here for? I'm here to tell storytelling. To tell a story. I'm like, Bleh. like, yeah. yeah, that's what we're all here to do. But, like, what are you here to do? Like, if someone's being honest and you're like, I want to be on air, at least I can respect that because you're, like, honest. But if you're like, I want to lift other people up, I want to raise voices, I want to raise awareness, that to me is so much more valuable. And I feel like a lot of people can do that in yeah. their own space just by connecting with people every day and reaching out through Instagram. DM people are really kind most of the time. Um, so I would say... If you want to, go to Ryerson for sport media. Not Actually, not for sport media. Go to new media. That's what I would do. I would go back five years yeah. and go into new media. Or I would just kind of, like, work from the ground up and get and just put my foot... And just work for a production company. If I'm Even if I'm grabbing coffee, at least you're in that atmosphere. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily go back to school. But my parents wanted me to have a university education. So I think a lot of people totally. feel that pressure. So I think to some degree satisfying your parents is not the worst idea in the world so no not at all in my program too a lot of people come in and they want to be gym teachers they want to be physiotherapists me um didn't get in (laughs) haha everybody knows that um they want to be like gym teachers physiotherapists chiropractors or personal trainers Mm -hmm. um but not like good life personal trainers i mean like working with like high level athletes athletes and teams And it was different for me, too, because I was like, I, I obviously I want to be a physiotherapist. I'm not going to deny that. But it wasn't until my fourth and fifth year that I was like, oh, like, I don't want to just help athletes, which my program is very athlete focused. I want to help, like, people who are pregnant. I want to help people who menstruate. I want to help mm. people who are struggling with their hormones. And, like, that was really, like, different and, like, icky for me because people were kind of, like, 
why is every presentation you do about periods and everyone else is talking about athletes and I'm like sitting in a lecture hall giving a presentation about periods and people are like ooh gross like grow up I don't give a shit yeah I literally don't give a shit or like in one of our classes we would have to like make different programs and people would be like oh so like my hypothetical athlete is like doing this sport and like this thing and I'm like Okay, well, like, my hypothetical person who I'm making this hypothetical hypothetical program is a pregnant person with symphysis pubis disorder or, like, lower cross syndrome, upper cross syndrome, like, all these different things. And it was weird, and it was, it was icky. And I know my profs, too, would, like, get my papers, and they're even for, like, muscle physiology. Mm-hmm. Like, people would talk about, like, muscle physiology and, like, this training program, muscle physiology and what's so whatever. And I'd be like, this is the muscle physiology of the uterus. <laughs> and I felt kind of strange. But I think if you're a young person going for what you want and pursuing something, whether it be through sports or anything, is like you need to not be afraid to, to take up space. Do 100%. I'm sure your props appreciate it. They're like something else other than athletes. Oh, my God, this is great. I'm sure yeah. they appreciate it to some degree. Yeah. And... I love how we talked about nature-based sports or, like, outdoor sports and mm-hmm. things like that because, for me, like, nature-based or, like, outdoor sports, they just provided me so much time to be alone. Yeah. I have a huge family. You know this. I have a family of I six. to meet. Yeah. <laughs> you've, like, coming home. You've met them, like, Kobe. hypothetically. <laughs> like, you've met them through my brain and, yeah. like, you know them all. You just haven't met them. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bear, the bomb diggity. Yeah. Um, but I just grew up, like, constantly around people, like my dogs I was in musical theater I played a lot of sports and I I think because I grew up this way I find it so hard to be alone Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of being home alone I don't stay home alone oh yeah right right you can't go to sleep I can't sleep (laughs) I I sleep with all the lights on like I forgot about this I have such a hard time being alone which is why I think I also like nature-based sports because then you are alone so what is it about nature sports for you that like just drew you to like outdoor sports because you're still pursuing outdoor sports yeah it's specifically running and skiing allows me to be alone like you're not alone skiing the entire time but running and getting out into nature like my feet are my vehicle and mode of transportation um and sometimes it's just nice to take out the earbuds and just like be with yourself and just kind of look around and realize where you are realize whose land you're on what land you're on yeah um, the kind of person you are that the kind of person that you were when you ran in because every time I run into like I usually run in the dawn because that's um when it's not negative 20 outside <laughs> um because that's where I find I always like run in a different person and come out a different person sounds so cheesy oh my goodness but I mean, when I run a half marathon, I'm probably a different person when I come out the other side of it. Totally. Um, but I was always just drawn to the outdoors because I that was the only place that I could find solitude. Because I do, there's a family of four, now five, with my niece. Um, mm-hmm. And my family has a bunch of big personalities. I'm it's very, I don't get mine out of nowhere. Uh, so it's a lot of like talking over each other and I'm just like as much as I love to talk I also just love silence yeah and I think I don't know where it came from at a young age I think it just came from a lot of like obviously everyone gets bullied as a, at a young age like but I was always I was always the floater as well yeah I was always kind of like I was always just like alone so I was like well if I'm gonna be alone 
and if this is where people are going to put me, I'm going to just put myself there. Yeah. Whether it's going to the... I was telling Matt, I was like, yeah, I used to go to the movies all the time alone. People would think that's so weird, because it's a small town. Everyone goes to the same movies. Everyone goes to the same movie theater. Yeah. And they would see me going alone, or they would see me going with my friend Sue. So they're just like, why are you going alone, or why are you going with, like, this older person? I was like, because I feel like... I'm not alone, but she's not, like, constantly talking to me, and it's a very different relationship, but... Yeah. Being... I have a... I have an interesting relationship with being alone, because I truly do appreciate my time spent alone, and I learn the most, especially with traveling. I always tell people to travel alone. I'm yeah. Like, if you have the opportunity to do it, go. Like, I wish you came to Mammoth with me last year, but honestly, it was such an amazing time by myself to put myself in like this oh god like the fact that that I knew I was going to be meeting like five other people from like the company of Patagonia and I was going in alone was terrifying I was like oh my god I have to like talk about something and they're and they're all so intelligent they're also like knowledgeable about things that I'm not knowledgeable so I'm like how am I going to connect and I still talk to some of them to this day which is really lovely yeah um but traveling alone being on a plane alone I hate traveling with like either someone's drinking or just because they're so nervous or they're just asleep yeah and like I can if I'm if I'm late for a flight I'm like not worried like I'm not worried until the plane has left so the way I travel is very like calm and easy I mean I always feel like I just like watching people I love people watching (laughs) me and my friend Kara she will (laughs) we would always sit in Balzac's which is um, (laughs) underneath the image arts building on Ryerson campus and we would just like sit there and like watch people I love it we would just sit and watch and we'd be like I wonder where that person's going they're like oh my god that person's crying what happened to them (laughs) I've been crying in Balzac's um but yeah I I'm also a people watcher because I feel like as much as I can learn about people from like them telling me I can learn so much more about how they react to things yeah so I always just as much as I'm talking I'm also watching I'm, I'm watching big brother's watching big sister so um I love people watching I would definitely recommend that everyone strive to find even if it's just for a moment in a day to find some solitude and to reflect I can't yeah. do I can't do meditations I used to do peloton meditations but I just cry for 20 minutes I'm like <laughs> this is too much <laughs> I need to not cry for 20 but then I'm like okay I can go to bed now do you actively remember being a kid and being like I need alone time or is it something that you're realizing now like looking back like oh I used to like go and find space to be alone with myself as a child yeah I would just go like I didn't think about it god I wasn't smart enough to think I wish I was smart enough to think about it like that because I probably would have turned out for the better um, but, no, I would actively seek out, like, my, we have a cottage up north yeah. in Muskoka, which I love, and it's, like, the best place to be alone, whether it's, like, where our dogs are buried, or, um, yeah. on the, god, on the volleyball court, or just going for, like, a kayak by yourself. Yeah. Just going in the bay, or fishing, and just, just sitting by the water. Like, there's so many things that... Oh, I wish I now looking back I appreciate the cottage so more than I did because I I was there were never people my age because our next door neighbors they have 14 grandchildren whoa so it's like two grandparents five kids who are all married whoa and have 14 grandchildren so I would just babysit them as well so I would need to get away from them because at seven in the morning all you Ingrid come play and I'm like 15 years old and I, I love 
I haven't seen them in quite a number of years because they, they're all grown up and they have their own Instagrams, which is so weird to me because <laughs> I, like, raised them from when they were kids. Yeah. Um, so I would need to, I would always need to find alone time from them, even as a younger child, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a thought, but looking back on it, I definitely was like, I need to get away from all of this. Yeah. And sports was that outlet for me. Yeah. I remember, too, when I was a kid, if I was, like, having a meltdown... <laughs> There was like a like a small creek behind our house in town, and I would like be having meltdown. And I'd be like, I'm running away, and I would <laughs> literally go to the freaking creek. And there was this one huge rock, one massive rock. There was no other big rocks. It was like on a slant right by the water, and I would literally just sit there by the water. I would watch the fishies and the ducks and the frogs. Yeah, I'm obsessed with ducks, and I would sit there for like ages and like. Looking back, I'm like, wow, like, that was me at such a young age being like, I need to be alone. And even, I'm the youngest, um, and when, like, my siblings and stuff started growing up and, like, having different interests and hanging out with different friends, they wouldn't always want to, like, play with me. Yeah. You know? Like, my, the person after me is my older brother. He's only, like, 15 months older than me. Oh, wow. But still, like, when you're, like... 10 and he's like 12 and he's entering that like preteen like era friends yeah it's different my sister's five years older than me and she was the best like she would always play with me or like if she didn't want to play with me she would like set it up for me same yeah nine years older than me so yeah that's crazy when i was in whatever grade she was like in university yeah (laughs) but like i remember i would play outside in the snow by myself Mm -hmm. and sometimes i would literally just sit there and my mom would be like hey like you're gonna come inside now like you've been outside for like four hours like what are you doing and i just remember feeling like like so much peace like being by myself and i don't i didn't really realize that until now yeah and, like, even as an adult, like, we were talking about this last night, like, we're constantly consuming. Like, we're const- we constantly have input, like, yeah. stimulus from the outside world. And I think because we've become so used to having that constant stimulus and constant input from our phones, from our smartwatches, from society, from media, yeah. from everything, people, like, can't be alone. So, like, I don't know, like, why do you think people are so afraid to just be alone with their thoughts and be alone with themselves because when they're alone then they'll realize who they truly are and i feel like that's why it's really important for me because i the way i've always described like my being and myself and how i've moved through life is i i'm a fan of pairing oneself not it's the word choice is not the best but it's the only way i can describe it um but like i always like to like i picture myself as like like a wall of bricks and I like tear down the bricks and I have to rebuild them and like I came from like a privileged background so I I had to tear that down to kind of like see that wall like look through look past that wall I built yeah as well as just like it's just constantly the act of rebuilding yourself and you can only truly do that when you have a moment to think because like like you said like I always envision like it's like your mouth is eating but your eyes are also eating too like your eyes like see all of this and there's so much stimulus um, so the only time that you can truly rebuild yourself is like by taking like a quiet second. So I feel it's, a, it's terrifying to be alone for like the first time. Like the, I think the only time I really don't like solitude is when I'm going through ex- like very like difficult periods of grief. Cause after yeah. I lost my friend, which was during my, 
my goodness, this is such a time in my life. In fourth year, I had started this job at Patagonia. Yes. I was in my fourth univer- year of university doing a documentary. I had just entered a new relationship, new job, and I had lost my best friend of 11 years. And I was like, they say your your grief is dormant for about three months. So I had all of this going on and just like festering. Yeah. And then after all that was said and done, like, I'm in a relationship, but he's two hours away. Um, the documentary's done. I'm at work, but not all the time. And then you, like, at night, it's just, like, the worst time to be alone. Yeah. And to sit with grief. And I remember just, like, a month, and I was like, I'm just, I'm, I was like, I'm just not gonna make it. Like, it's just not gonna happen without Sue in my life anymore. Yeah. So I was just like, I think after, like, a month or so, I think, like, I can actually go into my Apple Watch history. It's really funny, because I know the exact day. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I can go back to that year and I can look at, like, my activities on my Apple Watch because it'll be the first time I had, like, run in, like, months. So Whoa. it was, like, the first run. Because I remember I was, like, looking at this... I wrote an article about, like, dealing with grief and running, but I was, like, chasing my sunrises. Like, I wanted to, like, earn that. Yeah. And I was, like, I also have to get myself out of this. Like, no one's going to do it for me. It's yeah. like everyone thinks someone's going to do it for them, but... You have to do it for yourself at the end of the day. Like you, as much as you can extend the olive olive branch to someone, they have to want to do it themselves. And I knew no one was going to do it for me. Yeah. Because everyone experiences grief, and nobody at in my at my age was experiencing what I was going through. So every time someone would be like, "Oh, I'm like," they would just try to connect, but it was just it was just worthless at that point. Yeah. I mean, not that they weren't not what. Not what they were saying was worthless, but it was worthless to me because it didn't amount to anything. Because I was like, you don't, you don't fucking understand this pain. Yeah, totally. That's the worst. So that was, that's the only time I don't like to be alone. And that's yeah. why when I had, like, a mental breakdown the other day, and I ran to Wendy, I was like, I just thought about, like, hugging you all morning. Because I just didn't want to be, because I was, like, making breakfast and crying and eating breakfast and crying. Yeah. <laughs> and biking and crying <laughs> to work. And then I was like, okay, I'm not alone anymore. This is much better. Yeah. That's the only time. <laughs> I don't want to be alone is when I'm <laughs> going through grief. But. Yeah. I think it's easy, too, to distract ourselves from who we are, the things we're feeling, mm-hmm. the things we need to feel. And for me, like, I totally experienced this during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, like, not during the beginning because the beginning was, like, this yeah. is so new. And we're like, in the same situation. We're in like a small town. Like it's yeah. not that bad. We're we're this is the best place for us to be right yeah. now. And yeah. And I was like with my family and stuff like that. But I would say in like the recent months, um, where it's like just Danny and I in our condo. Like I used to live in a house with like four girls, and now it's like just Danny and I. And like just having that alone space, it makes you come face to face with who you really are and the thoughts and the feelings and the things that you've tried to maybe not actively been trying to distract yourself from, but you've been distracting yourself from. Yeah. And the amount of benefit I've had, like, I'm so reliant on Danny. Like you see, like Danny like shows up most nights to walk me home from work. Like I just, I love being in his presence Mm -hmm. so much, but then I also catch myself because I'm like, I know that when people are in relationships, they lose their capacity to be alone and alone time is so important. So like, I love running by myself and sometimes I'll ask Danny to come and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll go for a walk and sit and watch the freaking ducks because I'm obsessed with ducks (laughs) and sometimes I don't ask Danny to come and like sometimes he does come, sometimes he doesn't. But 
it's it's those times when you're alone and you have no distractions that you really get this level of clarity and like oh shit like that emotion that I've been suppressing for the last like three or four years is finally here because I have no other distractions and I have to face it and then also just like coming to terms with like who you are and your like true authentic and real self and doing things for yourself I feel like people forget to do I feel like we've been talking about this with a lot of the people here because I am the only single person at work right now so (laughs) oh I didn't even realize that yeah (laughs) I am the only single one so I feel like I was talking about this with Matt the other day and I was like I just like I think it's really hard for me to be at work because sometimes because like I love intimacy yeah and like I want to be intimate with people here at work and it doesn't like people are like oh my god do you want to be like intimate like it's not sexual okay no, it's not a, like that at there's all there's a very different thing there's actually an interesting article that the cut posted on instagram about how people move somewhere for their partners yeah they're like their sexual partners but they like it's weird for people to move somewhere for their best friends or something yeah because they're just intimate with that person i i feel like i lack a bit of intimacy with people here sometimes just because i feel like i'm such an open person yeah me too and other people aren't that way and they just kind of take all of the things that I tell them and now they know all of this about me but they haven't reciprocated in that way so sometimes that vulnerability and like I feel like my authenticity gets taken advantage of in some way so I just wish I had more wish that was reciprocated more but anyways woo off topic but <laughs> a lot of the people here are in relationships and everyone talks about like doing stuff with their partners and I'm just like oh that would be nice yeah <laughs> I'm like I really do I love being in love. I'm a Libra, so she loves, and I love the idea of love, so yeah. any day of the week, um, but every time I talk to some people here who have kids, or some people who've been in, a lot of people here have been in relationships, like, nine, ten plus years, Yeah. and they're like, I'm so jealous of you, you have no idea, like, yeah. they're, like, there's a little bit of envy, there's a little bit of jealousy, maybe, at, to some degree, Totally. but that's just because they, they don't, they can't, because they can, I don't know. But like, also at the same time, I'm like, you have every power to like just be like tell your partner to like not invite them for something. Like, yeah. I don't know why partners have to take it so personally. I'm like, if you've been with someone for so long and they don't know that you yourself need alone time, obviously you have responsibilities. If you have pets, if you have kids, if you have par- like other people you have to look after. But to some degree, when people are like, oh, I wish I had like alone time, I'm like, you had the choice. Like, you yeah. have a choice to do that. You yeah. Know? So. At the same time, it's like, hmm, it's just an interesting thought that we, that I, I think I bring it up just because I want to talk about it. Yeah, so. that's really interesting too. And in, in terms of intimacy too, like, sometimes I feel like with my friends, I love a really deep connection. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to, like, see your guts. Yeah. I want to see your soul. I want to, like, have, like, a connection where, like, like, I love my friends. Like, I don't just mean, like, oh, my God, I love you. Like, no, like, like I, like, fucking love you. Yeah, I tell you that I love you when I leave. Like, yeah. Like, that's just... A hundred percent. And, like, sometimes I feel like people might think that's weird. weird. Or, like, people might think that I'm, like, into them in a sexual way. Right. I'm, like, it's platonic. Like, I don't understand, like, this, 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 like, this, fa- like, this fascination with, like, making everything, like, I love to talk about sexual shit. Like, I'll talk about that all day, but I don't try to make my relationship sexual. That's yeah. totally different than talking about it. But, like, fetishizing 
sexuality in a way that's just like the only I'm friends with you because I want to sleep with you like no yeah. <laughs> I'm friends with you because I, I love you and it's very different than sexual versus platonic it's yeah. yeah but like the level of intimacy that like I require in a friendship I feel like some people like think it's weird mm-hmm. like like I don't know like my friends now who like I tell them all the time like I literally love you like I love your guts I love your soul I love everything about you and like I feel so close to my friends but I also mm-hmm. feel like for some friends like or for some people like that could be like weird and like maybe like too intimate or like whatever but like I don't know like even like when my friend moved out to the east coast like I was a mess mm-hmm. I was I sobbing and I remember thinking like I hope she doesn't think that's weird but like it's just such an intimate and close and invaluable friendship that like I adore so much and I feel that with so many of my friends and sometimes I feel like like I'm either not enough or I'm too much yeah I think about it's funny because whenever I think of like I literally get teary eyed like thinking about like Allie being on the east coast yeah just because like we got we got closer like over the pandemic and especially since she moved away and I just miss her so much and sometimes I just cry and I'm like I feel like anyone would be like why are you crying and I'm like why are you not crying yeah like don't you miss your friends because I miss my friends Friends, I miss hugging my friends yeah I haven't seen some of my friends in a long time oh like I miss like cuddling and watching movies on my Mm -hmm. couch like and like some people might think that's weird but like I don't know no like we're similar and being like especially getting to know family like friends families I love to meet give me the parents I love parents <laughs> parents love me I love when parents love me they always love me and then yeah I always get really good compliments from people's parents so it's like an ego booster but there it's like I also I also go out to dinner without my friends and just their parents sometimes like yeah. I love that relationship and it, again, tells me more about them, and I'm like, okay, this makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Looking at your mother and father and seeing you. But yeah, I think those are really special friendships where you're just like, I fucking love you. <laughs> yeah, and what I love about the friends that that I have and, like, the friends that you have is that they provide space for us to be who we truly mm-hmm. are. And just, like, that level of authenticity that I feel like so many people are chasing a version of themselves that isn't who they are. Yeah. I feel like since I can remember, like, I remember, and my teachers always said this, I saw, like, one of my old teachers a few years ago, he's like, you haven't changed at all. I'm like, great. That's exactly what I want to hear. Like, I'm always, like, I'm always, I, I picture myself, like, being in grade five, like, being 10 years old, and I'm still the same person. I'm still all of this. I'm just, like, a little bit smarter, a little more mature, like, all yeah. of those things. Like, I'm a little more of, like, a lot of great things, but I've still been able to keep my authentic self like I had so many core beliefs like throughout like high school especially like and I was like I'm just like I didn't want to sleep around like I didn't want to like lose my virginity for no reason which right. is why I lost it later in life and that's like whenever <laughs> wow we're gonna get into my <laughs> <laughs> but I lost my virginity at 20 that's fun I feel like I should just say that oh my god I don't know who's gonna listen to this <laughs> <laughs> But I lost it later in life because I saw how many people were getting fucked over in university and getting their photos shared in high school. I was like, I don't want to emotionally ruin myself. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But it's a big deal for your for you to physically and emotionally handle. Totally. And I wanted it to be really right. Like, that's something I have always been... I feel like a lot of my guy friends, when I first told them, they were like... They were like 
I feel like I just run them over. They were in shock. They're like, oh my god, like, I had no idea. And I'm like, what? And they're like, but, they're like, it's amazing that you have, like, fended men off, for, or women off for this long, and, like, you've stayed true to yourself, and you never gave in because of pressure of that. Yeah. For women especially, I feel like this is why it's so important to talk about, even though it's personal to me, and I have reasons why, but I think it's so important to talk about, like, that kind of stuff, because no one, no one talks about it, and so many, I see so many women go through so much trauma for no reason. Yeah. Just because they were pressured. Yeah. And that's why I don't drink anymore, that's why I don't smoke anymore, is because I was pressured into doing something, because I thought if I drank, then maybe I would finally have the courage to sleep with someone. Like, that is such a, that is such a messed up mentality. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, we were talking about last night, I was literally screaming at Bethany and (laughs) laughing, like, this is what I believe. But a lot of people don't know that, like, drinking is rooted, like, in a lot of my insecurities and, like, trying to, like, force myself to have a one-night stand. Like, who in the fuck am I? I'm never, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that kind of person. Yeah, I'm not. But I would try to persuade myself through the act of, like, some substance. It's just crazy to me. So, yeah, I'm, I wish I had, honestly, if I could go back, I would never have drank. I would have never have smoked anything. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But I'm glad that I, throughout my life, I've been able to be consistent with, like, my values and, like, now being vegan is something I'm super passionate about. Yeah. And, like, being authentic on, because I've I've always been, like, the youngest. I'm, like, the baby of Patagonia still in the store. But also, I've always had older friends. Yeah. They've always been, like, at least, like, 15 to 20 years older. Like, my best friend who passed away was, like, in her 60s. So, I... I think I learned from some of the best people because, like, you know, some people here at Patagonia Bay are like no other. They're lo- the people here they're are incredible. Incredible. And, like, a lot of the people here, their authenticity is off the charts. And I'm just, like, I'm not intimidated by it. I'm, like, drawn to it. I'm yeah. Like, I want to know why, how, how did you, how have you always been this way? Like, it just doesn't make sense because no one else is like this. I just see so many false personas online and I'm just like because I, I know my friends and even when my friends post like false shit I'm like what are you doing like yeah I know this is just fluff like what is this so I'm I'm drawn to like when I see someone authentic I just want to like know more I'm like I just want to dig I want you to be my cadaver I just want to open you up <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up but I just want to open you up and learn more about you mm-hmm. and like what like what made you I want to meet your parents I want to meet the gang yeah I feel like when you come to terms with who you are mm-hmm. and start stepping into your most authentic self, the window of opportunity mm-hmm. is gigantic. It's it's massive. And then when you're like, this is who I am and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pursue whatever the hell I want. I'm going to try new things. I'm going to go after whatever I want. It just, it opens so much space for you to experience so much more. Yeah. Like, and, and being who you, who you truly are and coming to terms with your true, authentic and realist self is a journey. And I'm getting to know myself better and better and better every single day. Mm-hmm. But I also get to know myself better by pushing myself into mm-hmm. the most uncomfortable of situations. Yeah. And I, I really think um, this TED Talk that you sent me, I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's so good. <laughs> it's so, so, so good. But 
I'm, I'm going to share it and I want to talk about it quickly because I just think it's so cool because when you push yourself into these fearful situations or these uncomfortable situations or the situations that make you feel small or the mm -hmm. situations that make your skin feel slimy, that is where who you truly are comes alive. And that's how you get to know yourself is pushing yourself to those extremes to do things that like make you really, really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. And in the TED Talk, she talks about, um, what was her name? Lovey. Lovey. Lovey Day Jones. Ajayi Jones. Ajayi Jones. Yeah. She used the analogy of like staying on a plane and you're skydiving. Mm -hmm. She's like staying on the plane is comfortable. Perfectly good plane. <laughs> Perfectly nice plane. You're enjoying the ride. There's no turbulence. You're just on the plane and it's so comfy and the views are beautiful. But when you jump out of the plane, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And I think it's cool because I feel like with a lot of the experiences you're talking about, about going into like this, this program and traveling by yourself and running by yourself, you've been pushing yourself into really uncomfortable situations. Yeah. So like, how has it been for you? Like stepping into uncomfort, uncomfortable situations and just confronting yourself. Confronting myself emotionally and physically, I'd say are the two big things. And what, um, Lovey says, like the three questions she asked herself, which is something I've been reflecting on for like the past few years is like, did you mean it? Can you defend it? And did you say it with love? And that speaks so much volume to like how you approach other people and how you approach yourself. Like, like I'm not going to speak to myself in a way that's not loving. I no, I, I shouldn't speak to myself in a way that's not loving and caring and thoughtful. Um, so why would I put myself down? So yeah, I feel like all of these uncomfortable, I live uncomfortable situations every day. Every time I pick up the phone or every time I know that like there could be a customer who's not the most happy is on the other line is an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, true. Or someone at the door. I feel like work here is a really good one because I had never worked retail before until Patagonia. I'd worked in customer service, but retail is a whole other ball game. Yeah. And Patagonia customers, you know, you're a whole other ball game. It's totally different because there's a deeper connection involved with most of our guests yeah. at the store. So there's like a level of pressure and responsibility to the right thing mm -hmm. by them so I feel like that is coming to work every day is a little uncomfortable because I know that there's expectations and pressures that I not only put set by the standards of Patagonia but that I put on myself so I urge people to hopefully people like will reflect after this podcast and maybe find some alone time after to think about what it means like find something in your life you're like oh I actually do that alone and how like thinking about it I enjoy that so fucking much because yeah. I'm alone and I'm not listening to music I'm not doing anything I'm just sitting with myself whether it's just like even working like at least then you're like oh I'm alone right now yeah <laughs> what can I do right now what can I think about like no one's gonna know what you're thinking you can think anything yeah like that's really nice I'm like sometimes I get worried about the thoughts I have I'm like I'm never gonna tell anyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> no one knows needs to know how fucked up I am <laughs> yeah no I know what you mean and I think too like with some of the topics we've covered of, of like you know like being the only woman in the room being mm -hmm. authentic and being yourself and being experiencing solitude and seeking solitude and alone time like those are a lot are a lot of uncomfortable things yeah and when you like lean into that uncomfortableness, when you force yourself to try something new, when you force yourself to engage in a conversation that's uncomfortable, 
Like that is where the most most growth happens. That's really hard to say. Most growth. It's like <laughs> a tongue twister. And then you'll start to realize that the conversations, most importantly, that you're having with yourself, because you have to live in this body at the end of the day. If you're having good interactions with other people and then with yourself, you might start saying like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad or that wasn't that hard or I misread the, or I made myself anxious when I didn't need to be like that customer was totally nice. Yeah. You'll start having these positive thoughts that you'll just have more. As soon as you start having them, you'll have them more often and yeah. then you'll have more good days then you'll have bad days and you'll have more good moments and you'll have bad moments. And I never want to be like, oh, yesterday was a bad day. I just had a bad moment yesterday. Like, yeah. that was just an uncomfortable moment. It's gone. But now I've learned from it. And I'm excited. Sometimes I get excited when something d- doesn't go well. I'm like, okay, I have, hopefully I'll have an opportunity to redeem myself because I know what to do next time. Yeah. And it, it, it's still going to be uncomfortable the next time, but it's going to be an opportunity to just kind of revel in it. And then it'll be... It'll be nothing to me in a way that's going to be daunting or way heavy on my heart. Yeah. Like, there's too much in life right now that's just taking up so much space and so much of our capacity to do things. Living in Toronto with sirens. Yeah. <laughs> Toronto life. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many, there's so much, there's so much going on in our lives that takes up so much space. So give yourself the space push like your own boundaries and allow yourself to have uncomfortable experience and you'll begin to have healthier more ambitious conversations with yourself totally and I think like in this TED talk she was saying that um I'm gonna quote the TED talk Mm -hmm. um by Lovey fear has a very concrete power from keeping us from doing and saying the things that are our purpose and it's so easy to be fearful to try something new it's so easy to be fearful to stand up for something you believe in, to speak up for someone who who needs you to help amplify them. It's easy to take a back seat and be like, oh, that's a little scary, so I'm just not going to go there. But that fear keeps us from from finding our purpose. Yeah, un- uncom- being uncomfortable is like the same as living in fear. And yeah. So many of us, especially right now, are living in constant fear. You don't necessarily have to live in fear. I would say, I would use the word caution is maybe more appropriate because fear just saying the word fear like there's a power to that word yeah that's more significant than just like living like living cautiously and wearing a mask and just doing the right thing yeah but living in fear is a whole other thing because people I know people who just stop planning things and who aren't who just go like it's just gonna get we're gonna go into another lockdown but I'm I'm still planning for things in the summer like how can I make this safe how can I how can I make this movie? How can I write about this while doing it all safely? I'm still planning for things. I think still being able to do that and open yourself up and not living in that fear is just going to open up so much for people. And hopefully it'll give people some hope. Yeah. And I really encourage people to try something new. Yeah, every day. And whether it's talking about something that you wouldn't normally talk about, like me talking about my virginity to hundreds of people. <laughs> But, yeah. like, even just trying something new in, like, the outdoor world or, like, try running, like, try sailing, try hiking, try geocaching. I love geocaching. <laughs> try duck watching. Like, try something new. But also, the people who are in those spaces already, mm-hmm. the, the duck watchers, <laughs> the, the hikers, the climbers, the surfers, the sailors, the people who are in those spaces mm-hmm. need to make those who are trying something new yeah. welcomed. 
and I love taking people in these. I love watching it. people in like a new setting and then being like, "Holy shit, this is the best thing ever!" Like seeing the expression. It's like taking people to my closet or taking, seeing people at camp when I used to be a camp counselor and seeing kids come up for the first time. It's like watching that the joy. Yeah, is like it makes it all. It's all worth it. It's like making the documentary was all worth it to see like the joy that that person was seen in another yeah. way. So. Yes, I am. I, am involved, I encourage people to not only make space, but like give them your hand, like give your hand, ask give them, them to your dance, sanitized hand, and <laughs> yeah. take them onto the sailboat, sanitized, like, and then a little bit of hand cream. Yeah, because we're dry, we're dry bitches <laughs> over here. Okay, this is really cool. Um, I really want our listeners to find you because you're mm. you're super cool. I want them to see your work, so. Where can people find you? Give all the plugs, shameless plugs. Go oh, for it. I wish I had more to plug, but you can find me on Instagram at Ingrid underscore G E R O L. Um, that's my last name, Gerald. Um, I am sure if you Googled my name, some things would come up. Lord knows what. Uh, you can find me at Patagonia Toronto, I guess. If you, <laughs> Woo! I guess whenever life, whenever we go back to like appointment shopping, you can come into the store if you always want to, if you want to meet me. I don't know if you want to do that. But I guess you can do that. Yeah, where can you find me? Here. I am always here. Yeah. Um, or in the village. That's, I live, I'm not going to tell you where I live, but I live there. So I'm, I'm sure if you stand on the corner of like and wealthy long enough you'll see me um you'll find me on instagram i have an article out on trail sisters that's called chase um god survival sunrises and yeah. it talks about um my journey with running while going through grief so it speaks more on that hopefully i'll have some more things coming out in the f- in the summer because I'm, yeah. I'm planning a lot as you've heard i love it um so i g- guess i will i'm trying to kind of be more I'm trying to showcase my work more I used to not really be like this is what I do I'm trying to be more proud so if you ever need anything you can always just reach out to me on that on Instagram and I will be there you can just go to Bethany and you can type in anchors and I'll probably come up yeah so yeah can we link some of your your stuff in the show notes sure oh yeah my documentary yeah you can find that on YouTube it's called Unmasked um Jessica Platt and it's just like a short 10, 12 minute documentary. Yeah. It might make you cry. It makes me cry watching it. It makes me um, cry. But yeah, those are just a few of the work. Hopefully more work in the future. There are some things in the work. So that's also really exciting. Yeah. People should definitely follow you on Instagram. I love your Instagram. <laughs> and I love that because you never, you're not like a camera facing person. Nope. But when you are camera facing, it's like, here she goes. Yeah. She's got something important to say. Yeah. I'm listening to this start to finish. So oh, yeah. I love that. I'm about ranting your about something or other. Yeah, probably. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, thank you. This you was know, so much fun. I forgot that we were even. There's a mic in front of us. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> you know how much this means to me, and I think you have a lot of value to put into the world. And I don't ever want you to forget like how valuable you are. Mm. And I just, I love you so much. And, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and thank you for doing this podcast. No, thank you for having me. You are, the, the work that you're doing, I, like, your story of, like, coming, coming from where you came from, like, supporting yourself financially, it's so fucking empowering because I was, a, I had everything fucking handed to me. Like, you did not, you're like, if I want it, I'm going to fucking get it and I'm going to budget, I'm going to make a spreadsheet for it. <laughs> and I'm going to get it, I'm going to get that bread no matter what, but it might just take a little bit longer and that's fine. You inspire me so much, and I 
I'm so happy to see your success. I know all of the amazing things you're gonna do. I can oh, I can just imagine it, you. and I know you're gonna be looking after me when I'm maybe pregnant one day, or <laughs> you look after me now through my menstruation. So I'm <laughs> eternally grateful. No, I, you inspire me so much. I love you dearly. And at the end of every podcast, I say to my listeners, it's a beautiful life, because I think it's important to reflect that it's a fucking beautiful life. Yeah, as much as there are bad, shitty things, there's, we're living. Yeah. We're breathing, we're talking, we're conscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to say it's a beautiful life with me? Yeah. On the count of three? Okay, okay ready? Three, two, one. It's, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful life. life. <laughs> Bye! Thank you so much for listening to The Crazy Beautiful Life. If you'd like to leave me an Apple Podcast review, I would really appreciate it. And make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'll see you all next Monday. It is a beautiful life.